I've just got a, a message prepared um, from Psalm 117. So if you've got your Bible, Psalm 117. Um, the, my message is entitled, A Little Psalm with a Big Message. 117. Um, Martin Luther wrote a commentary on 117. He did a 36-page commentary on the two verses. There are 18 full pages for each verse, so we'll be here for a little bit longer than I thought. Um, Psalm 117. Um, let's read it. Um, it should be right in the centre of your Bible. It's pretty close to being in the centre of our Bibles. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is the steadfast love, is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Psalm 117 is the shortest psalm in the Hebrew hymn book and is the shortest chapter in the Bible. The psalm of just two verses has only 17 Hebrew words or 30 in our English text. Spurgeon says, This psalm, which is very little in its letter, is exceedingly large in its spirit. For bursting all bounds of race or nationality, it calls upon all mankind to praise the name of the Lord. When we look at this mixed up world, how the heart of God must yearn over lost men and women. He sees the Chinese, the Cubans, the lay people, North Koreans, Vietnamese. His heart longs over them. They are seeking to build a secular paradise on earth motivated by the vision of Karl Marx, the vision of a man without God, the vision of man without God, brainwashed to believe that God does not exist, that all things result from the blind workings of an evolutionary force, that man is simply a social insect caught in the web of time. The psalmist calls to them, O praise the Lord, all you atheist nations. God sees Europeans and Americans seeking a solution to their problems in humanism and materialism, in pleasure-seeking and money-making, in permissiveness and drugs and drink. He sees lands once ablaze with gospel truth now wrapped in darkness. The psalmist calls to them, O oh, praise the Lord, all you western lands. He sees the millions in Africa and Arabia ruled by Islam, Satan and the occult, India and Japan bowing down to wood and stone. He sees the Japanese making pilgrimages to their shrines to worship the spirit of their ancestors. He sees Hindus chained to idols, revering cows, crocodiles, insects, vermin and rats. The psalmist calls to them, O oh, praise the Lord, all you idolatrous nations or lands. The world by its tribes and nations are loudly invited in Psalm 117 to adore him. Psalm 117 is a messianic psalm. It is quoted by Paul in the New Testament in Romans chapter 15 verse 11. Um, we won't turn to it, but you can look at it later in connection with the work of Christ. Paul's argument was the bringing of Gentiles into the church of God on the same basis as the Jews. To support his point, Paul quoted from Psalm 18, um, Deuteronomy 32, Isaiah 11, and also from this little Psalm 117, verse 1. And again, praise the Lord, all nations, extol him, all peoples. 
Note that he quoted from all sections of the Hebrew Bible. He quoted from the law, the prophets, and the book of Psalms. Paul nailed down his point with a verse from this mini-psalm. There's always the temptation to overlook the little psalm. The little psalm, however, has a mighty voice. It packs a powerful punch and is not about to be ignored. Nor is it about to be overshadowed by Psalm 119. We have a pygmy and a giant among the psalms, almost next-door neighbours. In two short verses, Psalm 117 highlights the urgency of taking the good news to the nations. Look at verse 1. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. Here there is a call to praise. The, the world in its totality is lovingly invited to praise and extol him. Psalm 117 is a universal invitation to people everywhere to praise the Lord because of his merciful love and faithfulness. God desires that all the nations praise him. The psalm begins with a call to praise um, the Lord. In the Hebrew, hallelujah, Yahweh. It's important for us also as Christians to remember that praise is a choice, not a feeling. We are not to praise the Lord only when we feel warm and fuzzy inside. We are to praise Him even in our most troubled moments. For even during those times, He is still our God. Normally, we think it is only we as Christians who are called to praise the Lord, but not here in this psalm. The Hebrew word goyim, translated the nations, meant all the nations of the world that were not Hebrew are to praise the Lord. When it says nations, it does not refer to political states, but people groups, different ethnic and linguistic groups. To give us some idea of how many people need to be reached with the gospel, here are some statistics from the Joshua Project. Now, don't quote these stats, but um, this is what I found when I looked them up. One man said there's a lot more languages in the world, so here we go. The, the list approximately, they list approximately 17,000 different people groups in the world, with 6,700 as unreached. The percent of unreached people groups is 41% totaling 2.7 billion people. Um, and of the 6,500 lang total languages in the world, 2,400 2, have some part of the Bible in their language, meaning 4,100 do not. So at this moment, the 4,100 language groups have no hope of praising King Jesus as Lord of the universe and King of their lives. They are perishing, and yet our great God desires that they would praise him and be saved. God desires that all the nations extol him. Praise the Lord, all nations, extol him, all peoples. That word extol means to boast or to praise. It means to make much of someone. Our God is to be shown by his people to be great, good, and awesome. We are to tell everyone about the great God we know, love, worship, and serve. Isn't it easy for us to talk about what delights us? Um, it may be our kids, maybe not. Um, their achievements, or our grandchildren, 
or whatever uh, what we may have achieved at work, whatever it may be, we can get excited and cannot stop talking about these things. Um, Let's also praise and extol our God and Saviour continually for what he has accomplished on our behalf. These people, groups or tribes live all around the world and even down our street. They are people who share common language, culture, interests, ideals and values. Whether they are one kilometre away or 10,000 kilometres away, they need to be confronted with the God, the only God worthy of praise and worthy of glory. John Piper, in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, you'll be familiar with that book, highlights an important point. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. But in order for God to receive praise from the nations, they need to hear the gospel in a way that they will understand. Missions aims to do this and to help people stop making much of themselves and their false religion and to start making much of Jesus. So they too can delight in the Lord as we who already know him delight in him. The gospel aims to show, show them that none other is worthy of such worship and, and devotion. It aims to show them that our maximum joy and pleasure is found only in the praise and adoration of this God. Piper again says, the reason God seeks our praise is not because he won't be complete until he gets it. He is seeking our praise because we won't be happy until we give it. Missions is calling the world to do what they were created to do, namely to enjoy making much of Christ forever. The Lord is to be magnified among the nations. Let's look at verse 2. The cause for praise. For great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. The Lord is to be magnified because of his nature. Our worship is not to be a whimsical or an unpredictable emotion that depends on our circumstances but a daily intentional praise, not because God said we must and that we have no choice or say in the matter, but for the very reason that he is our King, Lord and Saviour. Our worship is a call rooted in the very nature and character of God that when rightly understood, causes us to rise up and worship him because of our love toward him and because we want to. There was a man called Sir James Simpson, he lived between 1811 and 1870. And in 1847, James Simpson, um, he was a professor of midwifery at Edinburgh University. He discovered the anaesthetic um, effects of chloroform and subsequently applied them to um, relieve labour pains. Once he was interviewed by a newspaper who asked, Sir, what do you consider your greatest discovery? Sir James replied, my greatest discovery was when I discovered I was a sinner in the sight of God. The, news, the newspaper man tried again. Thank you, Sir James. And now, would you please tell me your second greatest discovery? By all means, replied the great Christian. 
My second greatest discovery was when I discovered that Jesus died for a sinner like me. Can we say the same with praise on our lips? There is no God like our God. God is not like anyone. Our God has no beginning. He lives by his own power. He is not dependent on anyone. God has no equal. He is the Lord, the Most High, the Creator, the Author of life, the Righteous One, the Light, the Holy One, the Compassionate One, the God of love, the living and true God. He is great in His love for us and He will be faithful to love us forever. Our God is a God of love. Verse 2. For great is His steadfast love toward us and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. The rich Hebrew word hesed appears in the text. Hesed love is wrapping up in itself all the positive attributes of God. Love, covenant faithfulness, mercy, grace, kindness, loyalty. God's loving kindness toward us goes beyond what we deserve. And note the text says, His steadfast love is great. This is a strong and vigorous word like mighty or prevailing. It is formed in the Hebrew text for emphasis so that literally the verse reads, is mighty over us, his loving kindness. God showers his children with his love. It has the Old Testament equivalent of the New Testament word grace. His grace is great toward us. So how do we apply this to missions to reach the nations? Of course, it's the gospel. Missions is telling the nations of what Jesus Christ has done on their behalf. It's impossible for people to say, we glorify the one true and living Christ if they don't know him. Jesus went to Calvary to die for us, and the just for us, the unjust, to bring us to God. He took our guilt that we might be declared righteous, took our sinfulness that we might take his sinlessness, took our ruin that we may have life. That was God's way of bringing mercy and truth together in an everlasting embrace. This is our cause for praise. When the people from, when the people from every tribe, tongue and nation understands the gospel and yields to it, they will, have every, they will have reason to worship and extol the Lord as they were created to do. Verse 2, our God is a God of faithfulness. For great is the steadfast love, is his steadfast love toward us, and his and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. God's steadfast love is great, his faithfulness is eternal and everlasting, it endures forever. God made a promise in Ab uh, to Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 to 3. We're familiar with those verses that all the earth, all the peoples would be blessed by his descendants. From Abraham came Israel. From Israel came Jesus. God kept his word. The root meaning of the word faithfulness is to be firm and unshakable. If he is always truth, it is because he's always faithful. And if he is always faithful, it is because he is always truth. What God has promised to, to, to do for us in Christ, 
is as certain and sure today as on the day he made them. And it will always be this way now and forever. God's character cannot change and his promises cannot be broken. And just finally, Psalm 117 is also a, a millennial psalm. It looks forward to the day when Jesus will reign. It finds its prophetic fulfillment in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 to 12. And I'll read them just quickly. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Piper is on target when he, when he says, Missions exist because worship doesn't. So let's all get busy for Jesus and see Psalm 117 fulfilled so that all nations might sing hallelujah to our God and to the Lamb. To the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in an unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be, be honour and eternal dominion. Amen. Amen. Mm.